If you would turn with me this evening to scripture that we've been looking at on Friday nights, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, on Friday nights for the last few weeks we've been on the subject of God's will to heal. This is very important. If you don't have your health, it hinders you in so many ways, doesn't it? Sickness is a thief. It robs you of strength you should have to do your work. It robs uh, people's spouses of the husband or wife that they should have. It robs people's children of the mother or father they should have, right? I mean, if you're in the bed stuck, you're not taking care of your family. And uh, you're not doing what you want to do and what you could be, maybe what they need. It's a thief. It robs you of your money. Hmm? Your time, always having to be uh, somewhere else instead of at work, instead of doing something productive. You're sitting around waiting on this, waiting on that, and always having to do that. Thank God for people that can help us in these areas, but it's just better to be healed. I said it's better to be healed. And one of the biggest, most giant hindrances to this is millions of Christians believing that it might not be God's will for me to be healed. You do understand. There's millions of Christians on the planet right now that do not believe it is always God's will to heal. They believe, well, it might not be. Well, how are you going to ascertain whether it's his will for you to be healed or not? If you really believe that it's not his will for you to be healed, why would you go to the doctor to try to get out of the will of God? People are not even consistent with what they say they believe. If you really believe it's God's will for you to be sick, then yield to it and be sick. Don't fight it. If you really believe it's God's will for you to be poor, then man, be poor. I know it sounds I'm not trying to be ugly. Act on what you say you believe. But see, people don't even believe that. Oh, they get religious and go, well, you just never know what the Lord's going to do. And it might, he might have some purpose in me being poor. And then they go try to make some money. Try to get out of it. It might be the will of God for me to be sick. Well, why would you be fighting against the will of God? If it's the will of God to be sick, let's be sick. And if it pleases him, let's get real sick. I know it sounds funny, but it's either the will of God or it's not. Let's don't be fighting the will of God. Hmm? If it's the will of God for us to be poor, I mean, let's be poor. Let's really please him. Let's be real poor. Let's be poorer than other poor folks. If it pleases God. It doesn't. I said it doesn't. And people don't even believe that foolish stuff except in church. They don't believe that in real life. They're trying to get out of the sickness. Aren't they? Doing everything they can to get out of it. Doing everything they can to get out of the poverty. Well, thank God you don't have to be confused about it. It's in the Bible. I said it's in the Bible. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we're studying about. Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. Luke 5 and verse 12. It came to pass when Jesus was in a certain city. Behold a man full of leprosy. He's in a bad 
way he's advanced stages of this terminal disease. He saw Jesus and he fell on his face and he besought him. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This is right where millions of Christians are tonight, aren't they? They believe God can if it were to be his will, don't they? Well, can you read the next verse? Hmm? Can you read the next verse? Do you know what it says? Jesus, he put forth his hand. He touched this man that's sick, sick, sick unto death. And he said, just be patient, my boy. We don't understand the will of God. And just submit to the will of God. And be strong. And let God have his way. Why do millions of preachers talk like this and pray like this? You never heard Jesus talk like this. You never heard any of the apostles in the book of Acts talk like this. Then why do the majority of preachers talk like that? The majority of preachers. What would they have told this man? If he'd have said, I believe God can heal me. If it's his will, pastor. Tell me what to do. What would they say? Well, my brother, we just don't always know the will of God. And we, we just want whatever God wants. And it might not be his will. And we don't understand it. But you've got to be strong and just submit to his will. Where'd they get that? Who taught them to talk like that? Who taught them to tell people these things? Did they get it from Jesus? Did they get it from the Bible? No. They got it from men's dumb religion. Why are you getting so animated? Because people are dying. And they don't have to. They could be healed. This is serious stuff. And it particularly irritates me when you got a brother or sister that's got a little faith in them and they're reaching out to believe God and somebody with degrees shoots them down, right, and tells them, no, these miracles have passed away and this is not for you and we just don't know and are able to talk them out of believing God. Friend, that's criminal. That's criminal. In fact, that's what Jesus is talking about. If you offend and trip up one of these little ones... Is trying to believe me and trying to love me and serve me. It'd be better for you if a great big old giant rock was tied around your neck and you was thrown into the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Yes. Amen. A lot better use for you would be bloop <laughs> than talking somebody out of believing God. Friend, make up your mind that you are never going to be a deterrent to your brother and sister's faith. If they got bigger faith than you, then you're not going to get in their way. You're going to go, go on, brother, go on. I'm for you. Believe for it. Claim it. And let's have enough Bible sense to never tell somebody it's not God's will for them to come out of this. His will is always victory, healing, deliverance, salvation. Prosperity. 
Victory. Every time. That's what I read in my Bible. Yours read the same? What Jesus telling? What Jesus telling? Can you see it? This is not a fairy tale. This happened. This man's looking at Jesus and said, Jesus, I know you can heal me. I know you can. If you will, Jesus looked at him, reached out his hand and touched him. This man's leprous. His skin is awful. And he reached and put his hand right on him. Right? He looked him in the eye. What did he say? I will. Glory to God. I will. You be clean. You be healed. One translation said, of course I will. Be healed. And immediately his skin cleared up and cleaned up and he's no longer dying. He's living. And he's healed and he's able to go on and finish his life. That's the will of God. That's what Jesus actually said. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respecter of persons. If he told him that, he'll tell you that. We're convinced it is God's will for all of us to be healed today. Now some folks say, well, now, if it was... Then they'd all be healed. Wrong. No. If you believe that, why don't you believe the same thing about people being born again? Hmm? Is it God's will for everybody to be born again? Are we confused about that? Didn't he say it's not his will that any should perish? Are people perishing? Yes. Then according to that same mentality and reasoning and philosophy, if people die lost, it must have been God's will for them to be lost. Because if it was his will, they'd have been saved. There are a lot of things happening that's not the will of God. There's a lot of bad stuff going on that's not God's work. It is not God's will. It does not please God. Somebody say, why? Because man has a free will. Man can believe or disbelieve. Man can obey or rebel. And because of that, you got a lot of bad stuff going on. Doesn't change the will of God. Say it out loud. It is God's will for all to be saved. But it's up to them whether they receive it. Keep going. It is God's will for all to be healed. But it's up to us. Whether we believe it, whether we receive it or not. Is it that way about everything? The just shall live by faith, walk by faith. Now we begin talking about this then. Is it God's will for all to be healed? We said we are absolutely convinced that it is and we're going to prove it from the scripture. I mean, you could just stop right there. If Jesus said it, it is. That'd be enough to act on right there. But the Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And we're giving you scripture, not people's theories and ideas. Scripture witness after scripture witness. Anybody remember some of them? Help me out. Number one reason we gave you, the first one. We are sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because God's word is medicine. The scripture said so. Said God's word would heal you. I'm convinced you get enough of God's word in you long enough, you will be healed. 
anybody, anywhere of anything, every time. Well, if you say healing's not for everybody, and the Bible said God's word would heal you, what'd you just get through saying? That God's word's not for everybody. Well, that can't be. No, we're sure it's good that God's word is for everybody and healing's for everybody. Number two, a strong spirit will sustain you. Well, is it God's will for some people to be weak in their spirit? Certainly not. Well, if you're strong in your spirit, the Bible says that'll get you even through bodily pain and trouble. Proverbs 18, 14 said. Number three, we're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed because of God's original creation. I mean, if God wanted sickness and disease, he would have created Adam and Eve with some in them. He didn't. On which day did God create disease? Huh? Which day did God create cancer? On which day did he create arthritis? AIDS. Sickness was not a part of his original creation. It came later as a result of sin and the curse and the fall. It was not his will to begin with. It's not his will now. He does not change. Number four, we said it's, we're sure it's God's will for all to be healed because of his will in heaven and in the world to come. It'd be hard for you to find a Christian that believes it's God's will for people to be sick in heaven or diseased. Like the Bible says, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more crying, no more dying. It was his will in the beginning. It's his will in the end. Has he got a different will right now? No. No, the Bible said pray that his will would be done on the earth just even as it is in heaven. He has never changed. Men have sinned. The curse has come. But he didn't change. People change. It's always been his will to be good and to heal and to bless. Always. He's never changed. Number five, we're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed because the origin of sickness. Where did it come from? We read in Romans, through one man sin came into the world and so death came because of that. And sickness and poverty and all those things is the fruit of it. To say sickness is the will of God is really equal to saying sin is the will of God because it's the product of sin. Nobody would say sin is the will of God. Number six, we said we know it's the will of God for all of us to be healed because sickness is a work of the devil. That's not my theory and opinion, is it? We looked at scripture after scripture after scripture. What was it? Job 2.7 said the devil made Job sick. Psalm 41.8 says sickness is a thing of the devil. Luke 13.16, Jesus called sickness satanic oppression. Acts 10.38, the Spirit of God called sickness satanic Bondage, right? No, I turned them around. Luke 13 was satanic bondage. And in Acts 10.38, satanic oppression, the Holy Ghost called sickness. That's four witnesses. Right? When the Bible says the devil made them sick, sickness is a thing of the devil. Sickness is satanic bondage. And sickness is satanic oppression. What should you believe? It's from God? Then why do so many people believe that? Because they've gotten away from the Bible and they've got their degrees. Huh? And their theories and their opinions and the big, Jesus said it like this. People have made the word of God of no effect because of their traditions. They believe what they believe instead of what he said. I don't want to do that, do you? No, no, no. So what are we up to now? What? I thought that was seven. 
No, you're right. Okay. That's good. I would say I was testing you, but I wasn't. Reason number seven. We're sure that it's God's will for all to be healed today because of the covenant of healing. Somebody say that out loud. Covenant of healing. Go to Exodus 15, please. You ready to get happy tonight about something? The covenant of healing. Now, I know if you feel good and you don't have any symptoms or any pain, it might be easier for you to sit up here and get warm and comfortable tonight and not pay too much attention. But you don't want to do that because you're going to need this. Mrs. O, don't say that over me, Brother Keith. Listen, you know, you live a long, full life. You live to be 100 plus. You're going to have to overcome a lot of stuff between here and there, right? Because your body's mortal and, you know. But even if you never had a physical problem, somebody you know is going to need this. Right? Right? People you're at, somebody's going to need this sooner than later. And so you want to pay attention and you want to get this in you because this is not just imaginary and fantastic theory. This is Bible reality. It will work for you. You can be healed. Your family can be healed. Your friends can be healed. Your co-workers can be healed, and you need to believe it so strong that it just oozes out of your pores. And people don't even believe it. Hang around you for a bit and start believing it theirself, because they go, man, they really believe this stuff. And you go, yeah, we do. We've seen it. We're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed today because of the covenant of healing. Exodus 15, are you there? Now, I didn't bring a watch tonight. I forgot my watch. Mm-mm-mm. So I reckon somebody will have to tell me when to stop. Or I could just be led like normally. Okay, Exodus. We'll just stay with that then. Exodus 15, 15, and verse 23. The Israelites have been delivered from Egyptian bondage. They've come through the Red Sea, and they went a few days and could not find water, and they're all real thirsty now. They've been three days without water. Verse 23, they came to Marah. They could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Marah means bitter or bitterness. And the people did what? That's different from believing God. That is the incorrect response to challenges and difficulty. If you want to go down and stay down, just gripe and fuss when you have problems. Which is why so many folks do. They don't see a miracle. They don't get answers. Why? Because they complain and they gripe and they fuss. That is unbelief. You can't gripe in faith. You can't complain in faith. Faith doesn't complain. Faith gives thanks. I've said it before, but it'll bear repetition. A a phrase that has helped me, you know, doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. But faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. I'm going to say that another time or two. You want to say it with me? Doubt despairs, 
complains and is sad. What if you meet somebody and they're griping and they're sad? What do you know? They are not in faith. Can't be. What does faith do? Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. I says, well, what do I got to be glad about? I got an evil report. I feel terrible. What have I got to be glad about? If you believed the Bible, you'd have something to be glad about. Because the Bible told you by his stripes, you've been healed. And with long life, he'd satisfy you. If you believe that, you could be happy anyway. You could be glad in spite of what you're dealing with. If you believe you're not perishing with this, you're coming out. So they complained. And they said to Moses, what are we going to drink? Putting pressure on him. He cried to the Lord. The Lord showed him a tree. Which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Can the bitter be made sweet? Hmm? Sickness is a bitter pill. Bitterness. Can bitterness be made sweet? Hmm? Can malignancy be made healthy? Hmm? Can toxicity be made clean and normal? Huh? Yes. Yes. And how was it made? He showed him a tree. You read any other scriptures about the tree? Oh, this is prophetic, isn't it? This is pointing toward the future. The Bible said that Jesus was hung on a tree. Remember that? He became accursed when he hung on that tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles and we could receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Was it bitter what he was taking and dealing with on the cross? Did he deal with the bitterness in our lives? It wasn't for his sin. It was our sin. It was the chastisement of our peace. And the Bible said he took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. And when they threw that tree in there. I said when they threw that tree in there. The bitter changed. How did he do that? Took a miracle. Right? Molecules changed. The bitter Became sweet. And it just happened like that. Could bitterness in your life. Become sweet. You must say boy I got a. I got a bitter pill with my marriage. It's bitter. Got bitterness with my kids. I got bitterness on my job. You know what they might have thought when they first rolled up here. And tried to drink this. They might have thought we need a new water hole. Uh This water hole is bad. And we need a new water hole. Hmm? This one's bad. This one's bitter. We can't, can't be fixed. We need a new water hole. And there's a whole lot of folk think that, you know, my marriage is bad. I need a new wife. I need a new husband. I need new kids. These are crazy. I, I need a new job. I need a new boss. This is terrible. This is bad. I need, I just need a new one. That's the only fix for this. No, it's not the only fix. We serve a God who can make the bitter sweet. Don't we? He did it. He does it. No, don't be ready to throw stuff away. 
God puts you in some of these situations. You might not have made the best of them. You might have made mistakes. They might have made mistakes. But no matter how bitter and awful it is, you need to believe God that he can make it sweet. I've seen it again and again. Now keep reading. He did it. And the waters were made sweet. And he made for them a statute and an ordinance And there he proved them. Now this is covenant language. If you study it, you'll find that some of these words are used interchangeably with covenant. But I'm going to show you other scriptures that actually use the word. But he established something. Can you tell this is not just a fleeting thing. It said he established something. He made a statute and an ordinance and he proved. Listen to the language. He said, they're all lapping up the sweet water. Their thirst is quenched. They're satisfied. They know they are in the presence of the miraculous. This was impossible to drink just seconds ago. And the Lord spoke to them. He said, if you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, if you'll do that which is right in his sight, if you'll give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases upon you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. Oh, this is big. This is one of those great I am statements in the word of God. Remember Jesus said, I am. Remember when they came to take him and he said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus, he said, I am. They all fell back on the ground. You remember that? Remember Moses when he was at the burning bush? And he said, who am I going to say sent me? He said, you tell them, I am sent you. You you am what? (laughs) He am too much to say. Huh? I am. Actually, if you've studied this at all, you'll know that the words here, when he said, I am the Lord that heals you, is one of those great compound Jehovah names. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. Oh, this is great. How many believe God is great? Do, Do you take his name seriously? He said, I am Jehovah. Now, you know, different scholars, scholars study years and differ about how to pronounce things. A lot of these words have to have vowels added to them to make them even pronounceable for our language. And I know other folks say Jehovah and different number of things. Of course, that kind of messes up the song, Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, suffice it to say, what does it mean? What does Jehovah mean? Jehovah means the self Existent one. The great I am. What does I am mean? I exist. I am. You know why you exist? Because he am. (laughs) Before you was, he is. (laughs) Hmm? You know why the earth is? He is. Why the sun is the universe, because he is. And here's the thing. Didn't say he was, didn't say he will be. I am. He is. What about 10 million years ago? He is. 
Not he was. He is. See, time with God is not like with us. There'll be, the Bible said there's a time coming when time will be no more. Time is something we're experiencing temporally. But God is, and here's the thing, he is not dependent on anybody or anything for his existence. He is Jehovah, the great I am, the self-existent one, who is not dependent on any other power source. Everything is dependent on him being. Take a breath. Your heart beat again. You know why? Because he is. <laughs> reason this world turns around again. Reason the sun's still shining. All things are upheld by the word of his power. Because he is. I mean, that's saying volumes to fill the universe when he says, I am. You am what? Fill in the blank. What he is. To say all that he is. How many understand that makes sense? How would you say all that he is? Just say. He is. He said I am. But then when he. This didn't happen all the time. But a handful of times. He takes another name. And puts it with Jehovah. Oh friends this is important. And he says I am. The Lord who heals you. Now when he says I am the Lord who heals you. Whoever could have a right to come along and say. No he changed. He used to be. The Lord who heals you. But the great I am was. Nobody has a right to say such a thing. The I am is and the God who heals you is still the God who heals you will always be the God who heals you as long as he is he is the God who heals you this is covenant he established something here an ordinance a statute this is established what is it I am the Lord who heals you, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Say it out loud. He is, he is. the Lord, the Lord who, heals me. who heals me. That word Rapha means literally to heal. It means to mend. It means to restore to normal. <laughs> it means to restore to normal. Glory to God. Say it out loud. He is the Lord who heals me. The Lord who mends me. He is the Lord who restores me to normal. Sickness is abnormal for us. Being weak and broken is abnormal for us. Being broke is abnormal for us. That was not enough amens on that one. Say it out loud. Being broke is not normal for me. Now covenant. 
Go with me to Deuteronomy 7. Well, no, excuse me, I'm moving too fast. You're going right by there. Exodus 23. Then we'll go to Deuteronomy 7. Exodus 23 and verse 25. Now mark these in your Bible so you can have them for future reference and so you can share them with other people. It's not enough just tell somebody you believe something. You need to prove it to them from the Word. Exodus 23 and 25. Are you there? He said, you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Glory to God. There shall nothing cast their young nor be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me read this to you from another translation. The NIV. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, why we give thanks when we eat, that what we eat is sanctified by two things, the word of God and prayer. Now, religion has reduced it to, quote, saying grace. Most folk don't even know what that means. Because to most folk, it doesn't mean a thing. But a lot of people know this, that it's thanksgiving, give thanks. But it's more than that. He didn't just say it was giving of thanks. He said what you eat is sanctified. Here, what does the word say? Blessed. I will bless what you eat and drink. And if we ever lived in a day that what we eat and drink needs to be blessed, it'd be now. Because there's enough germs in most stuff that you'd eat and drink to cause you to be sick and hurt many times over. But does God have power? Can he sanctify? Can he bless what you eat and drink and deliver you from ill effect? In fact, the Bible said if you eat any deadly thing, it wouldn't hurt you. And can he quicken it to you so that you are nourished and strengthened by it? So then when you begin to think right, your prayer is not just a little pat, say grace. You know, people are just religious and mean about it. Oh, you didn't say grace. That's all their kids know. Oh, don't you can't eat. You didn't say grace. And they don't have a clue why they're doing it. It's just being religious. Nope, nope, nope. We want to be thankful that we got plenty to eat and drink here. And then we want this stuff sanctified. Huh? And then we're going to call this steak into the ministry. We're going to call this potato into God's service. So we're going to might as well get it sanctified, right? Because it's coming into the ministry. Let's get it sanctified. Let's get it blessed. And we're going to use the energy we get out of it to serve the Lord. And the health we have to serve him all of our days. Can you say amen? amen? He said, worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and your water. I will take away sickness from among you. The English version says, all your sicknesses. Am I reading the Bible, friend? Are you reading the Bible? What did God say? I will take away sickness 
from among you. He's talking about the whole nation. That's right. He's talking about millions of people. Did he do it? Yes. He did it. Saw was it Psalm 105 said he brought forth his people with silver and with gold, and there was not one feeble person among all their tribes. We're talking about millions of people. Millions of people. That was the will of God. Could he do it again? Certainly. Could he keep a whole church healthy? Could he keep a whole nation healthy? Somebody said, I wish you'd do it for this nation. Well, you've got vast amounts of our nation don't even believe in God. They're not in the covenant. They're not keeping the covenant. We've got people that worship all kind of stuff. We're supposed to be one nation under God. That's God's will and call for us. We are not. We got people that worship the devil. People say, well, you know, all these others are just different names for the same God. No, they are not. No. No, they are not. And see, that's what he said. In fact, back up here. Back up here to verse 24. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them. Nor do after their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. If God's perfect will was done in this country, there wouldn't be a worship of any other kind anywhere. Period. So that's politically incorrect. We're supposed to be tolerant of other religions. If you're a real Christian, you cannot be. A real Christian cannot acknowledge any other God or that there is any other way to God except by Jesus. If you do, you're not a Christian. Well, we can't control everybody, but we sure can control ourselves. And we can honor God and we can hold fast to what he has committed to us. And he told us if we'd serve him. How many people in here endeavoring to serve God? Let me see now. If you'd serve him, well, then you qualify for this. Now, if you want to do your own thing and you don't want to serve God, sorry. (laughs) This is not for you. People don't like that, but that's how it is. Covenant. Somebody say covenant. Covenant is serious business with God. If you've studied it, you know it. Covenant is serious. In fact, I think uh, I was reading today, and you know, the Bible has been labeled Old Testament, New Testament. Testament is a Latin word that replaced covenant. Really, the better word is covenant. And you see that numerous. Sometimes the same people that translated it covenant translated the same word testament in the New Testament. Then there's really no reason to do it like that. It's covenant. Old covenant, new covenant. Somebody say covenant. Covenant. Well, covenant's serious with God. Covenant. What is a covenant? Literally speaking, let me read some definitions to you. A covenant, well, one of the best words I can describe to you is just to say binding. Somebody say binding. A covenant is a bond. English def- one English definition says a formal, solemn, binding agreement. Binding. 
When I think of covenant, I think of the word commitment. Committed. We live in a day, you know, I'm mean, even in this country. A few decades ago, if a man looked you in the eye and shook your hand and told you he would do it, that was it. That was it. But nowadays, you can have 98 pages of contract and five lawyers and still not get it done. Because people do not have integrity in their word and they have no concept of covenant. When you're in covenant, you're committed. You're bound. Right? Covenant. There's no, you know... No forgetting this and no getting upset and breaking it off and, well, we're tired of this. No, covenant. Covenant. With God, covenant is everlasting. Somebody say everlasting. Everlasting Everlasting. covenant. Glory to God. Is there a covenant of healing? Did God establish something? Did he reveal himself? And mention, now see, there's two parts to covenant. There's your part, there's his part. Should you be committed to your part? Should you not change? Should you be faithful to your part? Right. What about God? Can you count on him? Will he be faithful to his part of the covenant? Will he bind himself and hold himself to it? Yes. If you do what he told you to do, he's bound to you. If you don't, then no. You cannot expect him to do something irrespective of you keeping the covenant or not. It just doesn't work that way. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, you know that. How many know in Leviticus he told him In Deuteronomy he said, if you obey me, all these blessings will come on you. What if you don't? All these blessings will come on you anyway. No, it won't. No. What if you rebel against God and you're going to do your own thing? You don't care what he thinks. You don't care what he wants. You're going to do what you want. Forget everybody else. Forget God. Then all these curses will come on you. You don't get the blessing. We've got a lot of folk. They don't want to keep the covenant, but they want the blessing. It doesn't work that way. The thing is, you want to keep the covenant. This is the only good life there is. Is keeping covenant life. It's the only good life there is. Go on to uh, Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 7. We're talking about the covenant of healing. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you, who mends you, who restores you to normal. I like just hearing that, don't you? And the fact that it came right out of the Bible. I am, he says. You suppose he still is? Hmm? Has he changed? No, he does not change. People change, but he does not change. I am the Lord who heals you. Some translate it, the Lord your physician. Do you have a physician? Maybe you got some natural physicians, but you got the physician. I said, you've got the physician. And when all the other physicians tell you there's nothing can be done. And that's really quite a presumptuous statement. Professionals do it all the time. They look at you and go, there's nothing can be done. They ought to be more honest and say, there's nothing we know how to do. 
There's nothing we can do. But when man doesn't know what to do, there is another doctor and you should get another opinion. You should get another diagnosis from the physician. Ask him, can you be healed? Ask him, is there anything that can be done? And you know what he'll say? He'll say the same thing he was saying centuries ago. He will say, I am, I am, and will always be the Lord who heals you, who mends you, who restores you to normal, who makes you whole. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Say it out loud. I have a healer. I have the healer. He's my healer, my physician. Glory to God. Well, if you've got a healer, you ought to be healed. Hmm? How many of you got a car? You ought not just be walking. Right? You got a house? You ought not be sleeping under a bridge. And if you got a healer, you ought to be healed. You ought to be. And I'm quoting Jesus now. Because that's what he said about a woman that was sick. You remember that in Luke? That woman that was bound. We talked about it last week. He said this woman ought to be healed. Now, Deuteronomy 7. Let's keep going. Deuteronomy, the 7th chapter. Down in verse 9 or so. Verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God. The faithful God which keeps covenant. He never breaks covenant. People are not faithful to him, but he's always faithful. Keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him. And keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You know, one of the greatest things you ever did for your kids and grandkids was serve God fully. I said serve God fully. It gives him a legal right to do things for your descendants. There's a whole realm of things here. I know uh, Brother Hagen, Sr., my father in the faith, said years ago, this is decades ago, his son was in the military on the other side of the planet. And the Lord woke him up in the middle of the night. Brother Hagin, I'm talking about, woke him up in the middle of the night and he said to him, he said, uh, if you had not served me and obeyed me and it had to do with him leaving his securities and going out on the road when he didn't want to and leaving his family and traveling when he didn't want to. He said, if you hadn't obeyed me, he said, they'd have brought your son home in a box. He said, but because you obeyed me, he will come home. And live out his life. And he didn't know it. But they figured it out later. At that very moment. That very night. Those very hours. He was out. Not thinking about God. Carousing around on some motorcycles. With some other guys. Ripping through a mountainous road. And got in some gravel. And lost his traction. And slid off toward the edge. Well he thought he was gone. They thought he was gone. They thought he went off the edge. But next thing he knows, he's back up in the middle of the road. And they go on and continue their night. 
They went up there the next day and they saw skid marks that went off the edge. And they tried to figure it out and couldn't quite figure it. (laughs) Well, he didn't know that. He's back here in the States in the middle of a sleep. Lord woke him up and said, because you obeyed me, he'll come home. Friends, when we obey God, it's not that God plays favorites. It's that it gives him a legal right. Why? Because we're keeping covenant with him. Oh, come on. Are you listening to this now? We're obeying him. We're doing what he told us to do. And if we do that, it gives him every right to do what he said he would do for us and keep us and protect us and heal us and cause us to live a long life. And then what we just got through reading, I'll take all sickness out of the midst of you. The number of your days I'll fulfill. Keep reading here. He's the faithful God who keeps covenant. Verse uh, 12. It'll come to pass if, somebody say if. If you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep to you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers, and he will love you and bless you and multiply you. Now let's stop. What did we just get through reading before we read this? We read if. If. If you're going to choose to obey him and do his plan and will. Now if you're going to do your own thing, all this is off. If you would obey him, he's going to love you and bless you and multiply you. I will bless the fruit of your womb. What's that? That's your kids. And the fruit of your land. That's your business. That's your investments. That's what you're working with. Your corn, your wine, your oil, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep in the land which you swore to your fathers to give you. You will be blessed above all people. There will not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. Humorous story along this line. There was a mother that read her children these scriptures frequently, little bitty guys. And one of them had a dog that was sick. And he come up just a little, I think he was four years old or five, something like that. And the dog was sick. He come up, he said, well, mama, ain't, I forget what his name was, Shep or whatever. He said, ain't Shep our cattle? <laughs> he said, well, honey, I reckon he is. And so they laid hands on Shep. Before the afternoon was over, Shep was okay. Well, it did say. What did he say? These are your animals. Verse 15, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness. Isn't that great? How much? All. All, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which you know on you, but upon them that hate you. Boy, it wouldn't pay to hate us. Either. Is this covenant language? What co- do we have a covenant? Now some people say, well, most wrong statements start with that word too, like that. Well, now brother, that's just for the Jews. That's just for the Jews. That's just for Israel. That's all passed away. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's go to the New Testament. 
Are you ready? You got some more time? Can you take this? Let's go to Romans, the second chapter. Romans 2. Get ready to shout some more here in a little bit. Before we go through, go into this any further, can you agree, is there a covenant of healing? Yes. Whoever you think it may be for, can you see, obviously, there is a healing covenant. Yes. That if they would obey him and do what he told them to do, that he would keep them from being sick. Yes. He would take all sickness out of their midst, causing them to fulfill their life. They'd be healed. They'd be strong. Was sickness the will of God for his people? No. How could it be? And he said, if you keep covenant with me, I'll keep you healthy. Romans 2. Well, people are fond of saying, ah, that's just for the Jews. In fact, almost any good thing that you find in the Old Testament, people holler, well, that's just for the Jews. Just for the Jews. And uh, I might tend to agree with them. Because I am one. Well, don't get quiet now. Romans 2. You have read Romans now, haven't you? Anybody read Romans? Or Galatians? Well, then you shouldn't be surprised by that statement. Romans 2 and verse 28. Are you there? Romans 2, 28. He is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. You don't have to be able to trace your physical human ancestry back to some descendant of Abraham. But verse 29, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. How about us? Huh? Does this affect us? Have we been changed inwardly? Has something happened in our heart? In our spirit? That's just for the Jews. You should shout, glory. I is one. (laughs) Keep reading. Let me establish this some more with you. Go on down to the, uh, well, just go to the third chapter of Galatians for time's sake. This is a study within itself. But go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, verse 7. 3, 7. Know you, Galatians 3, 7, that they which are of faith, the same, are the children of Abraham. Anybody in here of faith? Are you a child of Abraham? Well, who are Jews? Jew is a shortened version for Judah. Who's Judah? One of the tribes of Israel. Who's Israel? Hmm? We're talking about descendants of Abraham who had covenant with God. Well, guess what? You are one. By faith, you are now, I don't care what color you are, what background, what language, if you don't have a clue what your heritage is, you now know your, your family tree is able to keep up with. I am born of God. And that makes me a descendant of Abraham. I am a child of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. 
So whatever he got, I got. It belongs to me. If he had a covenant, if his descendants had a covenant, anything that applies to that applies to me because I am the seed of Abraham by faith in Jesus. Is it true or not? Keep reading on down in the chapter. Go on down to verse 26. It's not my idea. This is not my thinking. Verse 26. But you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. As many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. How you get into things nowadays? By faith in Jesus Christ. Why ain't y'all shouting enough about this? Some people are like, can you read the Bible? Do you believe the Bible? Don't complicate it. Just believe it. Just believe it. He said, verse 29, and if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs. What does that mean? You inherit according to the promise. That's just for the Jews. Well, glory to God. Here we are. Now, if you've been thinking different from this, get back to the Bible. Get back to the Bible. Not theories and opinions and ideas. Back, somebody say back to the Bible. Back to the Bible. (laughs) Skip on down to the uh, sixth chapter of Galatians. There are many more scriptures like this in the New Testament. Have you read them? Galatians 6 and uh, 15. He said, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but what? A new creature. How do you get to be a new creature? You are born again. Born again. Hallelujah. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy upon who? Upon who? Who is the Israel of God? New creatures. Huh? New creatures. It's not circumcision. It's not uncircumcision. It's not being able to trace your ancestry back. Now it is a new creature. A new creation. And that means it all belongs to us. It all belongs. Don't you let somebody take a good scripture out of the Old Testament and say, well, that's just for the Jews. You just shout and go, yeah, that's right. It's for me. It's for me. It's for me. I am the seed of Abraham. I am. I am the Israel of God. I'm a new creature. I'm born again. I am a Jew inwardly circumcised in the heart. Right? And so it belongs to me. It belongs to us. What belongs to me? Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals you. It belonged to Abraham's descendants and I am one. You getting stirred up at least a little bit? Glory to God. Glory. Go to Hebrews 8. 
I'm not quite through. Can you take some more? Hebrews 8. Not only am I an heir of the promise, am I an heir of the blessing of Abraham. Not only that, but I am in a new covenant. Hebrews, the eighth chapter. Hebrews 8 and verse 6. Are you there? Hebrews 8, 6. But now has he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Hallelujah. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no place for the second. But finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant. They broke the covenant, and I regarded them not, said the Lord. But this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. Now, who's he making this covenant with? House of Israel, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. I'll be to them a God. They'll be to me a people. Don't we receive this for ourselves? Aren't we the ones that have had changes in our heart? And this applies to you, whether you're Jewish heritage, Gentile, no matter what color, what tribe, what nation, doesn't make any difference. And they will not teach Uh, Every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest. Are we living in this covenant? Where we don't have to go to somebody and say, tell me about the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. The great teacher of all teachers. You know the Lord for yourself. Then you're in this covenant. That God was going to make with Israel. Why? Because you are. You are. And it's a better cut. Now, now what does better mean? Somebody says, well, now see, that means that all that's passed away. No, 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 no. No. If I got a $50 bill in this hand and a $100 bill in this hand, and I say, which one is better? Do you know? I don't get religiously confused. Go, well... It just depends. It depends on nothing. Anybody with any sense knows the $100 bill is better any time of the day, any day of the week, than the $50 bill. Why? Because 100 has got the 50 in it. Plus. What kind of covenant we got? Oh, glory to God. It's a better covenant. Why? It's got everything they had. Plus. Plus, we didn't lose anything by the coming of Jesus. Plus, we got everything, everything they had. Plus, plus, plus name written in the Lamb's book of life. Plus, got the name and the authority of Jesus. Plus, got the Holy Ghost living right on the inside. Plus, plus, plus. But what does that mean? It means I am Jehovah Rapha still belongs to you. 
shouldn't surprise us when 1 Peter 2, 24 in the new covenant says, by his stripes you were healed. Reinforcement. In fact, Jesus came and paid the price of what God was doing for those people based on what he would do. The reason they kept offering animal sacrifices and the reason they had to keep doing them year after year is because the price was not being paid. It was just foreshadowing that one would come and pay the price for the blessings they were getting to enjoy then. Basically, he's blessing them on credit based on what the Lord's going to do. But now you and I are looking back to the cross. It's already been done. The price has already been paid. And it all belongs to us. How many believe healing is bought and paid for? Forgiveness of sin is bought and paid for? Prosperity is bought and paid for? Peace of mind is bought and paid for? Victory in every area is bought and paid for? Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. We're sure. It's God's will for all of us to be healed today because of the covenant of healing. Now, this goes right along with this, and this won't take long, but this is number eight. This is actually just a kind of a conclusion, but it's very significant. Number eight, that was number seven. Number eight, we are sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed today because of the eternal names of God. Say that out loud. Eternal Eternal. names of God. Now you just got through reading one, didn't you? What was it? I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the self-existent one who mends you and heals you, restores you to normal. Let me give you some of the other redemptive names. This is exciting. Don't try to turn to these. Just listen for time's sake. Another one of these, a lot of you know about it, it is Jehovah Jireh. Anybody know about this one? It's written, it says in Genesis 22:14. don't try to turn there, just I'm going through these quickly. It said, in the name of that place, it'll be called Jehovah Jireh, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And we get from that, it shall be seen, the Lord sees ahead and provides, provision before seeing. He used to be the great self-existent one who sees ahead and provides supply. He used to be the Lord who provides. Is he still? How many like scriptures like Philippians 4.19? But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is he still Jehovah Jireh? The great I am? Certainly. Certainly. Here's another one. Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah, the self-existent one who is our banner, and it has to do with banner of victory, banner of triumph. I mean, it kind of reminds you of the famous picture of the Marines putting that flag up on that ground that they took. What is that? I mean, you got to victory, the enemy is conquered, you have won, and you put up the banner, you put up the flag of victory. The scripture says in Exodus seventeen fifteen, Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. He used to be the God of victory. He used to be the God of triumph. 
Is he still? Has he changed? How many remember scriptures like 1 Corinthians 15, 57? Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. If God be for you, who can be against you? He's made you more than conquerors. You are overcomers. Is he still Jehovah Nissi? Is he still the Lord our victory? Yes, yes, yes. Here's another one. Jehovah Kadesh. It means the Lord who sanctifies, who makes you clean. Exodus 31, 13 says that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. You'll see it in numerous places in the Old Testament. He used to be the Lord who makes you holy. The Lord who cleanses you and sanctifies you, makes you clean. Is he still? The Lord, yeah, yeah. New Testament. The Bible said in Hebrews 10.10, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all. First Corinthians says, We are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Is Christ our sanctifier? Does he make us clean? Is he still the Lord our cleanser who makes us holy? Yes. Here's another one. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. Judges 6.24. Gideon built an altar to the Lord and he called it Jehovah Shalom. Peace. He used to be the Lord their peace. Is he still? The Lord our peace. How many remember John 14.27? Jesus said... Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Give I to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. He is still Jehovah Shalom. How many believe it? Who Would you believe anybody come along and say, no, he used to be Jehovah Shalom. But he's not anymore. That's all passed away. We got better sense than that. The great I am is And a million years from now, he is. He's never going to change. Jehovah Sidkenu. You remember that one? Jehovah Sidkenu. The Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 6 calls them to the Lord our righteousness. Is he still our righteousness? 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says he's made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Is he still Jehovah Sidkenu? Yes, he is. How about Jehovah Reah? The Lord, our shepherd. Come on, you know this one. The Lord, Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is he still the good shepherd? John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I'm known of mine. Is he still the Lord, Jehovah Reah, our shepherd? Yes. How about Jehovah Shammah? There's a lot of these. Yeah, I know it. I'm glad about every one of them. The Lord is present. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. Is he still with us? Is he still present in our midst? He said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. He said, where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, what? 
There I am. I am there. I am present. That means I am Jehovah Shammah. He used to be the Lord who's present. He still is the Lord who's present. Just a couple more here. The Lord Sabaoth means the Lord of hosts. The Lord of armies. He used to have armies. He used to have hosts. He used to have amazing military power. Does he still have it? Oh, it's all through the New Testament. The book of Revelation. The Lord with his armies and his hosts. He's called the Lord of Sabaoth in James 5.4. He's called Jehovah Gimelu. The Lord who repays. And he still is Jehovah Gimelu. He's still Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Sabaoth, Jehovah Gimelu, Jehovah Roy, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Kadesh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi. Are we to believe that one of these has passed away? That Jehovah Rapha, out of all these, stands changed? That he used to be the Lord who heals us, but somehow or another he is just a has-been in that department. I'm not even going to listen to anybody suggest such a thing. If he ever was the Lord who heals you, he is and will always be the Lord who heals you. Can you say amen? We are persuaded, we are fully convinced that it's God's will, always has been, always will be God's will to heal everybody today because He is the great I Am who does not change. He is the great Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who makes you whole. Glory to God. Stand up on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.